welcome to our second week on a three-week series on really trying to develop a biblical understanding and a view of God as our shepherd. And as we're finishing up our um, our, our questions on page one, uh, uh, we, we're, we're going to cover those throughout the time that we have together. Going to interact on those as as those time as as those questions come up throughout our time together this morning. But I did want to talk about the first one. Um, if you were not able to be here last week, that's okay. Um, the first question really has much more to do with if you were here, or let's say you happen to have some observations that you'd like to share too. So, um, you leaders at each table, if you have uh, um, some input, um, uh, let's share some of those um, with with everybody. Speak loud if you can, so that the um, recording can take can hear that. Go ahead. Observations from last week that that really kind of jumped out at you, Nancy. Okay, Psalm twenty-two, twenty-three, and twenty-four, and how it's really sandwiched twenty-three sandwiched in 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 what's what's really in the Psalter viewed as almost a trilogy: um, the past, the present, which is what Psalm twenty-three is about, and then our future hope, that is uh, Psalm twenty-four. Good. Other things. Yeah, just a just a just a smack in the face, right? We are sheep. <laughs> That's a huge observation because I think if you remember the way I left our time last week was that this whole psalm isn't going to mean um, what it can be to you if we don't come to the conclusion that we are sheep um, in this relationship. Yes. What else? Any others? This table is kind of silent. Let's hear from you. Hmm. Interesting. Very fascinating. Yeah, great. Others, wayward sheep, sheep into the right right path. Yeah, very fascinating. Um, I'm going to talk more about that a little bit more today and next week. Um, other things. Yeah, George. Well, there's two types of shepherds. Yeah, and uh, you know that that there's only really two sheepfolds, and which one are are you a part of? Those who are the the redeemed. Uh, uh, you know, children of God, and those who are not, and those who are not have a have have a shepherd who who's bent on really just um, using and abusing, using and abusing, and uh, John um, John talks about this. You know that uh, he comes to uh, kill, destroy, and, uh, and, and other comments. The other thoughts or observations. Okay. Well, let's uh, move to our time together today. Um, last week and this week are really about a one, two-part series on reflections of the Lord as our shepherd. And then uh, uh, next week's going to be some meditations on the shepherd and his sheep. Um, a few of the things we'll talk about today, I will, uh, I will, I will message to you that um, we won't spend, we won't land, we won't, we won't stay in that section much today because we will cover it next week and I'll, I'll try to kind of keep you with me as we go through that uh, those verses um, this week um, so uh, two more weeks then as you all had heard if you were here last week we will be beginning um, a tremendously exciting study on first and second Peter I get the privilege of team teaching it with uh, Dave Torres and uh, so this this uh, will will Pretty much, First uh, Peter will pretty much last this year. Um, it will be a little bit more of a systematic approach to 
studying the scriptures. And uh, so we're, we're, we're excited about that. The first two weeks really um, are kicking off uh, the week after next. Um, Dave's going to kick those off and really talk about Peter the author. <clears throat> kind of the, the, the Peter the man and the Peter the man that God used. Two weeks on that. So uh, real excited about that. Um, okay. So, just a couple of things in, 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 in uh, reminder from last week. The setting, we said, really is about um, a shepherd and his sheep. That's it. It's not about a, 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 a traveler. It's not about a, 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 a person who has a dinner guest. It's not about um, any of those things, really. It's about a shepherd and his sheep. And uh, when we think about home, home is in the wintertime. <clears throat> and uh, from home... Uh, through the springtime, uh, what we see is, is this concept of going up. Going up where? To, it's going up to the highlands, where, 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 where the snow has, has, if there is snow or cold, has now dissipated. And we have uh, much more lush green uh, uh, areas. And then uh, during the summer, they're in the highlands. And then what you see is this kind of metaphor of um, going home. And uh, uh, through, through to the fall in there. The second thing we looked at really last week, uh, along with uh, David being the author, uh, was the beginning, um, the first verse, the first half of the first verse, which really has everything to do with um, David really talking about his shepherd. Um, and his shepherd, it, it goes, The Lord is my shepherd. And we talked a little bit about that this is the Lord. This is the our uh, this this is our covenant keeping God. This is the one who has has rightly um, identified himself as the one who is faithful and keeps his covenants um, uh, unexplicitly. Uh, um, and so that's his character. His character is that he is the Lord. He can be trusted. He is he's worthy. Second thing is that he is my shepherd, and we looked at this as really our relationship. And we looked at the fact that this is a present tense relationship. He is my shepherd. And we looked also at the, at, at the fact that um, a little bit about shepherds. And as we looked at, at that, we, we saw some observations of shepherds that um, a shepherd has really five key characteristics. First is that they know their sheep. That's the most important thing. They know their sheep. Second is that they lead their sheep. Third is that they protect their sheep. Fourth is that they care for their sheep. And fifth is that they feed their sheep. And, and all of those dimensions are crucial uh, as it pertains to a shepherd. Um, we also said that, um, made some observations about sheep also, that they were uh, uh, relatively um, dumb, um, that they are property uh, of somebody. You don't find any wild sheep out there. <laughs> They're a domesticated animal for the most part, and uh, therefore uh, are owned by somebody. Uh, they're weak, defenseless, they're needy, and dependent. And last but not least, we said they have um, habits of wandering. Habits of wandering. We'll get more, more to that in next week's time. Um, we also talked about the fact that um, I shall not want. So as we moved into this last part of verse 1, we said we were on the cusp of talking about 11 specific attributes that have to do with um, uh, God, uh, God's shepherding, the shepherd's shepherding. And it really turns a lot more to the value that comes our way from being sheep and being shepherded by God. And so the first one was that I shall not want. And we said that this is really uh, my contentment. And my contentment has everything to do with um, being in a state of, 
that, that all, all I have is enough. All I have is enough. And it's really the key to understanding not just this psalm, but also our lives in Christ. And so, um, some observations we made about um, uh, being content were that um, contentment doesn't come from things. It doesn't come from things. Um, it also um, is, is crucial to understand that um, th- this is really a lie, that the grass is greener on the other side. Um, it, it's, it's 99% not. Why? Because God has so chosen to put me in the place I am. And so when I go, if I move out from underneath that, and, and it's not His, his, his will, then um, I'm going, um, I'm going to... Um, uh, experience his heavy hand in my life, um, and so it's hardly ever greener on the other side. We also said that um, uh, uh, content sheep do not complain; um, they don't complain. And we talked about how important a thankful heart wa- is. And we also talked about the fact that um, uh, contentment really uh, surpasses every other desire of the human soul. It's a fulfilled contentment um, uh, in our lives. And then we also looked at, um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. This is our rest. And uh, we talked a, l- a little bit about just some observations about the shepherd that, you know, um, he needs to make me lie down. <laughs> and that that is sometimes something that um, God is going to do in our lives. And he does it for a reason. It's just not like out of control. Um, and lying down, we said that it's the, it's the experience, or I'll call it the process of being made to lie down as a sheep, that a sheep actually interacts with the, with the shepherd. When they're up walking around and all over the place, they don't have the ability to interact and commune with the shepherd. And it's when they're lying down that that's when they have the ability to, to, to interact and commune with the shepherd. So lying down also takes time. <clears throat> and so we said green pastures really here are about... Um, uh, uh, how we're fed. It's the Word of God in our life. And uh, so with that, let's uh, transition, if we, if we will, to the next uh, of the 11 um, areas. It says, He leaves me beside quiet or still waters at the end of verse 2. Leaves me beside quiet or still waters. This is my refreshment. This is not on your, on your page, so right at the very top of your page, just write this in there, if you would. Just write it in there. We're going to... Um, spend quite a bit more time next week talking about this one, but it's my refreshment. My refreshment. <clears throat> he leads me beside quiet or still waters. And we're going we're to unpack that one and what that means um, next week. <clears throat> uh, the next one has to do with um, uh, ver- beginning of verse 3, and, it's, and he says, it, it's my healing. <clears throat> he restores my soul. He restores my soul. And my question I want to pick up on is the second question on your front side there, which is, have you experienced having God restore your soul in, in your life? What, what, what might have been some, obser- some, some things going on in your life when that happened, and, and what, how did that manifest itself? You all talked about that at your tables, or if you didn't, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Submission. submission. Okay. That it came about through submission, you're saying? No. Submissive too. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Great input. Yeah. Amen. What seems to be kind of the trigger points in, maybe in your life that 
moves you out of a, of a place of being restored in your life? What, how does that happen? Why aren't we just always restored in a, in a rest, restored place? Yeah. 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 Frantic and... Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. Others. My way. Isn't that a great observation? I mean, isn't that true? Isn't that really true? I, I, it is in my life, yeah. Do it my way. Yeah. Back on the right path. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, John. Isn't that true? Um, we have been restored. <laughs> and we're trying to stay in a state of restored. <laughs> right? Really? Amen. Yeah. Okay? All right, good. So, he restores my soul. One of the things, we're going to talk more about this one next week. Um, but I just want to say, uh, uh, aren't you glad that our God is a God of restoration? Amen? Amen. Amen. All of us could spend eternity speaking of this one thing. That God is a God of restoration. Amen. Well, he, he moves on to um, verse the, uh, 3b, end of verse 3. He says, He guides me, or leads me, in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Also next week, I'm going to uh, share with you some um, incredible um, personal insights um, around two parts of this, this components of this verse. One having to do with God's leading in, our, in my life, and, and one having to do with... Um, uh, his reputation in my life. And, and, and both those are buried in these sh- short few words. And um, it, of utmost importance is, us, uh, is for us to understand how God li- actually leads us in our lives. And, and, and what is it about His name's sake? What, what does that really mean? Um, how, how do I navigate my life for His name's sake? For His glory? for his reputation, for his renown, or as a testimony. Those are powerful things that I want to just get into next week. When we finish verse 3, and and David as the author actually transitions the way in which he's engaging his readers. Um, Any thoughts about how that actually is happening? Verses 1 through 3 are, are, are kind of a certain way. And now verses 4, four and beyond are, are kind of a different way. Bingo. Spot on. And, and, and 4 begins, actually launches into um, <clears throat> interaction with the shepherd. Right? In other words, it's, up till then, it's, he's, it's really praise of the shepherd. He's speaking highly of the shepherd. He's talking about who he is in his life. Right? And all of a sudden, in, in, at the beginning of, ver, of, of verse 4, um, what we see here is that he actually transitions to prayer and communion. He's interacting directly with his shepherd, as opposed to speaking to somebody else about who he is, if you would. And so, um, we'll, let's jump to that if we could. Um, so, as we look at... Uh, uh, his shepherding, uh, the beginning of verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Well, the, the interesting thing here is that um, spring has sprung. <laughs> um, the grass is getting greener. Um, now they're on their journey to the highlands. The snow has melted and the, the, the um, grasses come through in the spring. 
and it's lush there. And so the whole goal here is we're going to, the shepherd's going to take his sheep and move them to the highlands. The only way to get moved to the highlands, or let's call it the, the mountain experiences in our life, is to go through the valleys. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And so this idea of shadow of death uh, could actually be translated um, shadow, uh, shadows of deep darkness. Shadows of deep darkness is probably a better translation. So, uh, the, uh, the translators here made a, made, made a, made a jump uh, to have it say death. But it's not really what it would say. It's the shadows of deep darkness. And um, I'm going to spend a little bit of time next week talking more about this one too. But in your life, um, one of the questions I had on your front page there was, what are some of the shadows of deep, deep darkness that you've had to navigate in your life? Share some of them. Carl could go on for quite some time probably, right? What about others? Yeah. I know in that case... Stop, right there, my lawn. One day. In one day. Okay, God, what now? I found out Rick, that prior, set me up for that day. Wow. Right place, he had no said, In my second hole. Isn't it amazing how when God takes us to a place that he prepares us for it beforehand? I, I just find that fascinating. I can test to him and, and give testimony to him about that single issue in my life for quite some time. Quite some time. Yeah. Others. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yes. You may actually actually miss them. You actually may go right by them and never experience the incredible things that God had for you during that time. Maybe you catch it later, and God is a redeeming God. Fantastic. But you know what? There's things that he had for me that I missed during that time, maybe. So, huge. Huge. Yeah. Men. 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 Others. My experience was God was with me through that age of moving with me. And I didn't really. It took me about a year till I realized that he was with me. I didn't be, even though I was very with me until I. Work with you through it and yeah. get to get to that point. Amen. Others. I think all of us could share, you know, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but the Africans have a um, saying. And the saying is, show me a man who walks, with, a person who walks with God, and I'll show you three major crucibles in their life at least. Because those crucibles were the crucibles that took them to the cross, took them to submission, and took them to humility, and took them to intimacy. Amen. Well, next week I'm going to explore these valleys of deep darkness with you. Let me give you this this week, though. There's three types of valleys in your life. Three types of dark valleys in your life. The first one is the valley of situations and circumstances. Situations and circumstances. Valley of situations and circumstances. Um, The second valley is the valley of suffering. Valley of suffering. The third valley is the valley of death. Valley of death. And I I hope next week to unpack those a little bit more. Um, I I think when I share next week, it'll be, I want to talk to you about what 
Where's the shepherd in the va- in, 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 in mining the value in the valleys? Where's the shepherd when we get the opportunity to mine the value valleys? And we'll talk about that more. Um, but I just want to leave you with this on this particular one, and that is that valleys are part of the journey to our destination. God doesn't leave us in the valleys. It is not meant for God, from God's perspective, that that's an end state. It's that it is a journey to a destination. And, and don't forget that um, as you're going through valleys in your life. And some of us, I know for a fact, in this room right now, are in a, a significant valley. And um, so, yeah, huge. So, uh, his shepherding, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. It's my confidence. My confidence. My confidence. Um, He says, for you are with me. For you are with me. This is my security. My security. The problem um, for sheep is that courage isn't a great character trait. (laughs) You don't find a whole bunch of courageous sheep um, going to going to war with their enemies right and you never see any pictures of sheep with armor on <laughs> right I mean th- they would be uh, dinner pretty quick <laughs> um, if you would uh, so the only courage a sheep needs is really to express their trust in their savior in their shepherd um, and and when we think about uh, Romans 8 31, um, which is stated here, if God be for us, who can be against us? What great confidence that brings our way when we go through the deep valleys of, of darkness in our, in our lives. It is He who is with us. It is, if you are with me, who can be against me? That Romans 8 talks about. Um, no one can separate us from Him uh, and His great love in our lives. God is with us. I think of Emmanuel, right? God is with us. I mean, that's, that is the power. That is the, that is the goal that the nation of Israel wanted more than anything else was that Emmanuel, God with us, and that will come sometime in the future for all those who are God's people. He will dwell with his, his sheep um, forever. So, huge opportunity here. Um, it, I just find it fascinating here that he says, you are with me, and he does not say, I am with you. He doesn't say that. He says, you are with me. And I just want to re- remind us that it, it really isn't how hard I hold his hand. It's how strongly he holds mine. Because I'll tell you, if it's about me and holding his hand, okay, it's not going to work. Not going to work. And every one of us in this room can, tell, can speak specifically about that in our lives. But God is faithful. He will, and He will hold us. And He will protect us through all things. Safety and security. When we see God as our refuge, um, we can navigate most anything. Um, so, let's look at uh, the end, uh, end of verse 4. He says, Your rod and your staff comfort me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. So this is my comfort, if you will. Uh, the rod, if you look at this picture, kind of in the bottom left, or the left, left side there, what you see there is uh, two, two instruments, um, the rod and staff. So the rod actually is a, it's about a two-foot 
um, kind of oak club that they make, uh, it, uh, about two feet long. It has a rounded kind of end there. And, and many times what they do there is they, they actually take uh, uh, shavings of metal and they, and they pound those shavings of metal into the end of that, of that, rod, of that rod there. And um, that rod is used then as, as a way to protect the flock from wild uh, animals. Uh, and so, so the rod of the shepherd um, is, is, is really important. And, uh, and, it, and I, I think it, the metaphor in our lives uh, ha, ha, could be multidimensional, but for sure it's, it's like the Word of God. The Word of God in our lives is, is, functions as a rod in that it, 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 it has the authority and, and the power and the discipline and the defense against spiritual danger in our lives. And so... We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week also. Um, the staff is that longer kind of uh, a longer one with a, with a hook on the end there. And um, uh, the, the staff there um, uh, it was used for lots of things, and we're going to talk a little bit about those next week. But, but, but for the most part, that, if, if the one was more to be f- a fearsome protection agent, the other one was more about... Um, uh, uh, coming alongside the sheep, and and a way to reach them out of danger or move them aside out of the way, out of danger's way without you know um, physically touching them at that time. Uh, they use them in um, in lots of different ways. But the staff, probably from a metaphor, would speak of our holy, of the Holy Spirit in our life and and the way in which the Holy Spirit demonstrates His kindness and His love in our lives uh, in, in in lots of different ways. He says that comfort um, here, um, comfort is the idea of uh, a person who doesn't have comfort is without strength. A person who has comfort has been, has been supplied strength from outside, has been supplied strength. And so uh, the, the sheep are, are truly comforted when they know that his rod and his staff are, are for their good and their protection um, now the other shepherd would use those uh, to beat the sheep and to abuse the sheep, and the good shepherd, on the other hand, uses them to protect the sheep. So sheep who know their shepherd know how those tools are used, being used in their life, and how that that is for their good and 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 benefit. Um, beginning of verse five, um, he says, "You prepare." A table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies. Um, this is my provision. My provision. Um, the shepherd has gone before the sheep up into the highlands. He has like scoped out all of the best of the best uh, pastures. And um, he's in the process of leading his sheep to those pastures. Um, and he has gone before them. You know, I think of uh, I think of uh, Hebrews chapter thirteen, where he says that um, he uh, God has um, uh, he, he 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 is our um, uh, the author and the finisher of our faith, um, and he has quote marked out a way before us. 
Um, and, and it's that way that he's marked out before us, that he's gone before us. He's gone before us into the, into the, into the valleys, and he's gone before us into the highlands. And, and that's of utmost importance for us to understand that God is, God is not just like out of control and these things have taken us by storm. It's that he has like literally marked the way out before us. It's, the idea there is like when you're running a race, you, you mark, you, you put the, put, you put the pinions in place, you know, so that every, so that the people know where to go. And that's the same language that's used in that way too. So, um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We're going to talk next week about um, two parts of this. One has to do with preparation, and one has to do with um, provision in our life. Preparation and provision. Well, I want to talk next about, um, you have anointed my head with oil. You have anointed my head with oil. What is... uh, I asked you this question, like, like, help me understand what this is. Did did you guys get a sense of maybe how this, um, w- what this is? What does it mean to anoint my head with oil? Anybody feel strongly about their answer on this one? <laughs> okay, healing. Yes. So electing or selecting uh, um, the honor, the place of honor. Okay. Healing from James. You're saying, like James. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so uh, like a, a, an indicator of uh, God's goodness, like, favor. Okay. Okay. All right, good. Well, this one kind of throws most people for a loop, and I wanted to kind of unbundle a little bit. It is my protection. It is my protection. You've anointed my head with oil, and I'll talk about it. It's my protection. So, first of all, it's my protection from flies. This is going to get pretty gross for you. Okay. Um, but how many of you have heard summertime is fly time? Yeah? Fly time during the summertime, right? Warmer weather brings out hordes of insects and parasites. Uh, let me just name a few of the flies that are out there and things. Warble flies, bot flies, heel flies, deer flies, black flies, mosquitoes, and gnats. I was going to try to fit them all on here, but I couldn't get them all on here, okay? But uh, f- first and foremost, um, these... the the. Uh, the, the worst of all of them is a fly called the nasal fly. The nasal fly. And so when you talk about the nasal fly, these, these fly around the sheep's heads, okay? And their goal is to deposit their eggs in the damp mucous membranes in the sheep's nose. So, so you can see right here, right? That's what's going on there. This is when they've done that, actually, okay? And so if they're successful, the eggs will hatch in just a couple of days. They'll form small, slender, worm-like larvae, okay? And then these will work their way up the nasal passage um, into the sheep's head. They will then burrow into the flesh, and there, there they will set up intense irritation and inflammation, and uh, when you think about that, it really would drive the sheep crazy because they, uh, when when they get infected with that, they they uh, can't stay still, um, and they will beat their heads against trees and rocks. Uh, they'll try to rub their heads in the soil. Um, very often, in quite advanced stages, they'll 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 it'll make them blind. Um, and in extreme cases of infestation, uh, the sheep will actually kill themselves. Um, uh, by beating themselves in their heads, to, you know, and stuff. So, when flies hover around the flock, they become frantic. The, the flock fears, they panic. 
they run, um, they stampede, all trying to elude these flies that um, are following them. And, and if not, if there's no intervention, um, then uh, many times they'll, uh, they'll just drop from sheer exhaustion and uh, the flies will overtake at that time. So um, they won't even stop to eat in this situation at all. So the remedy for this is that the shepherd proactively applies oil over the sheep's nose and head. And when they do this, this provides immediate relief. And so this is where we get this idea of he anoints my head with oil. There is no aggravation, no frenzy, no irritability, um, no re- and restlessness. The sheep are content. And, and when we think about like the application in our lives, you know, think about, okay, what are the nasal flies in my life, right? What are the nasal flies in my life? Can I name them? Are those the things that are like just driving me nuts, right? Driving me nuts. And how am I doing in navigating those? Has God's oil of, his, of the Word of God and the Spirit of God like come around my head? Why my head? It's so that I would think differently about what's going on in the situation. Because... When the, when the sheep have that oil, they what? They're content in the midst of the flies flying around them. They're still there. They didn't go away, right? But I'm able to navigate that. And how, did that, how does that happen in our lives? It's like, like, when I'm doing a two-dimensional thing in my life with a circumstance, a situation, a relationship, or whatever, that's all I can think about. That's all I can think about. And all of a sudden, when I come out from that situation and I'm, I'm forced to think about, the, okay, where is God in all of this? What's He doing? Is He sovereign? Is He good? Does He have my best interest at heart? Now I go to a different place and I'm able to see it differently. That doesn't mean it goes away. It means that I can now figure out how to navigate through it. Because he promises to be with me in the midst of it. Well, the second one is from scabs. Protection from scabs. Most of us know what a scab is in our lives, right? <laughs> but what's a scab with a, with a sheep? That's what it is right there. That's what it looks like up as a microscopic uh, organism. This is what it causes with sheep. So, scab time is summertime. Summertime is scab time, excuse me. A scab is an irritating and highly contagious disease common among sheep. It's, it's caused by minute, microscopic parasite that proliferates in warm weather. Uh, it spreads throughout the flock by direct contact of, like, you know, sheep rub head, their heads together and, and, and they're together a lot. So, that by contact is how... A scab, scab is, um, is um, moved from one sheep to another. And um, if you remember in the Old Testament, uh, what was the key thing for um, a sacrifice that was a lamb? Perfect without the words what? Blemish. Blemish was this. It was a perfect lamb without scab. <laughs> without scab. That's what God required. In fact, when we look at First Peter... Chapter 1, he says, You have been bought by the precious blood of Christ um, uh, because he had no blemish. 
He had no blemish. So blemish really can also be a metaphor for sin. Isn't it interesting that sin spreads by contact with other people? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Um, and so how, how does that happen in our life to be able to keep that um, uh, scab from, from being contaminating and, and, and as a disease? Well, the remedy that, that shepherds have is olive oil. I think uh, Kim was mentioning this is the the, the body they, they actually soak the head and the and, and and the body in in olive oil and olive oil acts as a natural protectant um, to the sheep. Um, it's it's interesting. Also, I'll turn there. You you can write the passage down. I'll read it for us. But Second Peter chapter three, uh, verse Second Peter chapter three, verse. Uh, 11 says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And then verse 14, he says, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace and then spotless and blameless, spotless and blameless. So, so this whole concept of peace, spotless and blameless is what Peter says, when it's all said and done, how should we act in our life? It's, it's this way, that we don't have uh, scab. <laughs> don't have scab in our life. Well, the next one is protection from fighting and friction. Fighting and friction. The end of the summer also brings mating season. And what you see is, is uh, rams uh, seek dominance in, 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 the, in, the, in, in the flock. And they strut around uh, the, the flock proudly and fight furiously. And they combat by clashing heads. If this can be unchecked, if this is unchecked, they will injure themselves. And um, the remedy here is that the shepherd will spread oil on their heads so that when they do clash, they just glance off each other as opposed to permanent brain damage you know, and really hurting themselves. Um, but but th- that keeps them, that protects them, if you would. Yeah, they do carry it, yeah. Um, what's fascinating, and I, I think about this, is that in the body of Christ, you know, how many conflicts and um, fightings are are happening that aren't being resolved through the power of the the, the um, Spirit of God that it acts as oil in relationships to keep that from having being done. And so, how do we? How do we navigate our lives in such a way that, um, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, um, seek peace with all men. If it, as much as it is possible in your ability, seek to be at peace with all men. Think of the author of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 13, he says, you know, be at, therefore, be at peace with all men. Um, uh, and, and, and Paula, you brought up the interesting comment earlier, which is that when we don't do that, there's this issue of bitterness that, that creeps in. Because bitterness is nothing but, but anger and, and relationships not restored biblically over time. That's how, that's how bitterness creeps in. And he calls it a root of bitterness that actually springs up quickly, um, causes great harm. He says there's a halo effect around it in our life. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, fighting and friction. Last one here is vipers. Vipers. Um, that's that's a picture right there of a brown viper. Um, vipers are in the uh, pastures, 
And what happens here is that shepherds are always on the lookout for them because they'll come out and they'll 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 bite the the sheep's nose, and many times because they're poisonous, um, could kill the sheep, um, could cause great harm. And um, so, what, what's fascinating is the remedy for this also is oil. And so, the oil has two dimensions to it. He he will go before the the, the flock and look for the round um, places in the in the in the uh, pasture where where he will have see the brown vipers dens and where they come out of the ground and he will just literally put oil around the hole so that when the when the vipers try to come out they they do nothing but slip back in they can't get out and number 2 what they'll do is again put oil on the nose of the sheep because the oil acts as a uh, uh, the the the, the um, vipers do not like the smell of it and, and it will keep them from biting them, even if they did get out. So it's a two-dimensional protection, protective arm that happens with, um, with sheep in this way. And he says, because of this, um, sheep are able to graze in the presence of their enemies. <laughs> right? And so the application in our lives is that, you know, what are vipers in our life? Well, vipers love to try to find something that um, they can hang on to in our life. And um, that, that they're attracted to. Why? To bite it. Bite it. And so as we as, as we as believers in Christ try to live our lives without reproach, that's the goal, is that, is that there's nothing that the adversary can cling on to, hang on to in our lives. And, and therefore, um, we seek to live our lives without reproach. Um, and that's our goal. Well, the last one here is, or excuse me, um, the next one here is my, my cup overflows, uh, my fulfillment, my fulfillment. Um, this could also be translated, my cup runs over. Um, sheep that are free from flies, from scab, from fighting, and from vipers, snakes, are content. They're content. And they live their lives content, contented, in a content, contented way. They can truly say they have an overflowing cup. Life, I... I've learned in, is lived in moments, and moments create destinies because my choices in the moments deter- matter. My choices in the moments determine the course and direction of my entire life. And so, as we think about making decisions, decisions um, allow us to be able to have a, a cup that's overflowing and running over, if you would. Um, my question to you this morning is, is, can you really say that in your life? Can you say that your cup is overflowing? Is it content? Is it like he says in verse 1, I shall not want? We're standing at the dawn of another new year. What better time in our life is there than to really think deeply about these principles and these observations and how they apply to me personally? And what am I going to do differently about that in this coming week, this coming month, this coming year? Um, yeah. Well, the next one is surely goodness and mer- uh, mercy. Some say mercy, some say loving kindness, uh, others say uh, uh, loyal faithfulness uh, will follow me all the days of my life. And this is his pursuit of me, his pursuit of me. David now has finished those 11 specific attributes of how the shepherd is interacting with me as a sheep. And verse 6, he's moving to the future. He's talking to talk about the future. 
And he talks about the fact that surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me. Goodness here, I think of just Psalm you know, 136, I think it is. Verse 1, he says, surely the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He, he always is good to us. I mentioned last week, you know, Michael asked me, like, if I were to write a book, what book would I write? It's that the Lord is good. The Lord is good to all those who trust Him. Um, and then mercy is this said love that we've been hearing so much of in the, in the prophets. It's that it's His faithful, loving kindness. And interesting enough, he says these two things are like two sheepdogs nipping at our tails all the time. His goodness, His mercy, His goodness, His loyal faithfulness. They're nipping at my heels all the time and they're trying to get me to get in the right path. You know, I use a story of an example of this in our lives. It might be, okay, um, uh, God is like a highway patrolman who is pursuing us down 355. And, it, and, and it's at night and His lights, you remember the old ones that have the, the two lights on top, not the, not the bars anymore, but the, remember the big two lights on top that are going around? They're coming after us and they're on our path and we pull over. And what's your first thought? What I do wrong? And this is what he says. Well, we didn't do anything wrong. In fact, uh, we think he's trying to give us a ticket, right? Uh, he comes and he says, I, I have a message so good that I couldn't even wait till you got home. I had to flag you down on the pathway to it to let you know about it. That's, that's like 180 degrees difference from where we would be thinking, right? Like, what did I do wrong? No, God says, I wanted to flag you down to get you in sync with the fact that I'm a good God. And I really have your best interest at heart. Wow. I think our perspective of God has to really get modified significantly. I wanted to flag you down to tell you I love you. Well, last one here um, is um, the end of verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Um, this is uh, our communion, our communion, uh, our communion. David's entire focus here is about dwelling in the house of the Lord. He says this one thing in, in his Psalms, he says this one thing and this one thing I want to be able to do, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, he says this is most important to me. You know, um, having a personal, intimate relationship with um, the God of this universe um, says that I need to become. I, I need to know who God is. I need to know Him personally. I need to know. I need to be wrapped up in and enthralled in His person. And you know, when I started into two thousand, or two thousand ten, eleven years ago now, um, twelve years ago, um, I, I had to ask myself some some hard questions, which was like, like on a scale of one to ten, if I were to describe where I am as being a worshiper of God, what would I grade myself as? You know, and I, I've been a believer for 40 years. But this is the single toughest question I ever asked myself. And I had to come to grips with that. On a scale of 1 to 10, it would probably be around a 4. Because I didn't dwell with God. I, I, I didn't commune with God like I wanted to. And I came to grips with the fact that I didn't know Him the way I wanted to. And so I sat on a course... To be able to say, how do I become the best worshiper I can become in my life? What does that look like? How does that manifest itself? If God looked down on the sons of men and he saw Mark Robert, would he say, like Mark, 
has, has a passion for my heart. He wants to walk with me. That's a different question than we normally get asked, isn't it? And, and that's what this is. I had become a worshiper. David is a worshiper and needs to dwell in intimacy. Dwell in intimacy. We're going to talk more about this um, next week also. So David's lifelong passion wasn't about a place, the house of the Lord. That wasn't it. It was that a person dwells in the house of the Lord. And his passion was not for a place, it was for a person. And it's the personhood of Christ that, 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 that David had was in, infatuated with and wanted to dwell forever. Well, last but not least here, end of verse 6, forever. Eternity, that's eternity. This is lifelong and unending. Lifelong and unending. Forever. Well, in closing comments, uh, just a couple things here at the bottom of your, second, of your page there. Um, my shepherd inscribed his name to this. And let me just read it for you and ask you a simple question in closing. He says, I want you to never be in a state of want. I want you to rest in green pastures. I want you to, to, to be refreshed with still clean water with me. I want you to be restored in your very soul by, by, through my word. I want you to have freedom from fear and anxiety. Paula, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, fear, anxiety um, in your life. Uh, I want you to lead you in the way I want you to go, not the way you want to go. Um, I, I want to give you great courage in deep, dark valleys of shadows. Uh, I, I want to protect you from your enemies. In fact, whether you know it or not, I put hedges of protection around you all the time and you don't even thank me. I want to give you great comfort in the midst of adversity. And I want to provide for you at all times in a way that you have no idea. And it has everything to do with my goodness, my intrinsic character of loving faithfulness. Signed, my shepherd. What about this don't we get in our lives? Is this, is this the kind of experience that you have where you're utterly content and satisfied in Him and Him alone? I want you to consider this next week till we meet again um, to contemplate deeply the surpassing value of the promises that we have here. And I want you to think about like your own personal life, where it is in Christ. If you would just bow your heads for a second as we close. Um, bow your heads if you would. As we've gone through this this morning, have there been some things that God has been tapping you on the shoulder as a result of His powerful Word that, that, that slices to the very core of our existence? My hope is that He has. My prayer before today has been about like what will God do with this study? I pray that that would be something that you listen to and that you ask Him for His help to have the courage to face what needs to be faced in our lives. All of us have it. All of us are at that place. Father, this morning we come to you in humble, in humility, and ask you for your great help. We want the oil of your spirit, the rod of your word, to invade and infect every part of our head and our way we think about who you are. That you would allow us to transform our thinking be biblical in nature, and to think right thoughts of who you are. Father, we thank you that you have gone before us in our lives and that you prepare a way and that you, and that you keep us and you protect us from our enemies. Father, that you care 
about making sure that we have green pastures, that we are content without want. Father, forgive us, forgive me when I have an attitude of unthankfulness, lack of gratitude, when I complain, when I don't think, see things the way you see things. Father, I pray that you would forgive me for those things. Father, I pray as we think about this year, I pray that you would use this study on Psalm 23 to be a pivotal point in each of our lives, that we would learn to understand your great character and that you are the great shepherd and you are the chief shepherd, but most importantly, Father, that you are the good shepherd. We ask these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and know is to love. In Jesus' name, amen.